Get your day started right. This is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir and Sabiro Sheikh Only on the Voice of the Cape. So 12 minutes after 7 is where we're at this morning and we move along now to our next feature. Now, after a discussion earlier this week right here on VOC Breakfast regarding speed humps and, you know, the application thereof, it had become clear that communities, especially across the Cape Flats, have recognized the need and the importance of traffic calming measures as vehicles tend to speed up and down um, various roads exceeding speed limits appropriate in residential areas, completely ignoring the fact that children play in the roads um, at all hours of the day, which has resulted in some accidents occurring on these roads. Now, residents have gone to the extent of damaging roads by unlawfully digging them up to create speed trenches that then force motorists to slow down. But joining us online this morning is Garth Elliott, head of the Transport Network Development at the City of Cape Town, to tell us a bit more. Garth, good morning and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good morning and good morning to listeners. So perhaps let's start off by understanding, you know, with regards to applying for traffic calming um, measures, you know, how does one go about doing so? You know, what is protocol that needs to be followed? You know, we've seen many messages, especially when we started this discussion, Garth, a little earlier on this week. Various areas, especially along the Cape Flats, like I've just alluded to, stating that there are many stretches of roads where there aren't any traffic calming devices. Hence, you would see, you know, motorists tending to speed up and down. I think it's important to first understand the context to this. Um, the city generally puts down policies which guides how officials then apply um, or respond to applications of this nature. So the city has a traffic calming policy in place. It's had one since 2008 which was revised in 2011 and more recently in 2016. Now, the 2016 revision was done was requested by council due to the excessive volume of traffic calm requests that had been received at that point and was reaching a point where it was unsustainable. The number of approvals we'd exceeded, um, we received had exceeded our ability to deliver on that. At that point in time, we had about in the excess of 500 unfunded approved sites and that was, at that point in time, it was 30 million worth of, um, that's what it would have cost the city to implement. So the policy was revised, and there was a shift in focus towards a more sustainable approach. Mm. And ultimately, in terms of the new policy, the focus is on educational facilities. And this is typically where the highest volume of vulnerable road users can, would normally be encountered. And we have a program in place which aims to address 50 schools per annum citywide mm. as a minimum. And the phase one of this, of this program is ultimately to address the entrance points where pedestrian, where children access the schools as a minimum measure citywide. That will take us a while to complete. And then phase two would be once that is done is to look at the routes to and from schools. Garth, mm. you've just mentioned, you know, unfunded applications. Perhaps, you know, clarifying what exactly is meant by that. Well, the city has limited resources, financial and mm. uh, human resources in terms of staff. So ultimately, um, as I mentioned, at that point in time in 2016, with in excess of 500 requests, the value was $30 million. Mm. Typically, budgets for traffic calming, at the moment, we're in, sitting at about $4.5 million per annum, which um, generally brings us to about, I'm just trying to look here quickly, 
76 sites per annum in the, in the order of that. It depends on, you know, different measures cost different amounts and okay. also the, the costs vary mm. from area to area depending on which tenders are used. Now, before we get into the costs, so what, what measures are put in in the interim? There are various areas, various roads that need, you know, these tra- traffic calming devices. I mean, you know, is there anything that can be done in the interim within these communities? Um, I think one has to also understand that ultimately by putting in hard measures every time there's a problem we, we sort of the, the underlying um, it could also be interpreted that ultimately where there is no calming it's fine to speed which then breeds us a, a sort of sentiment of we need more calming everywhere and ultimately it's just not sustainable it's just not possible to calm every single street where they're speeding mm-hmm. so it once one understands the policy and what the constraints are, there are there is provision in the policy. Although the focus is pretty much on schools uh, and public facilities, and transport's limited budget, that's the department I work for, would be focused on educational facilities. The policy makes provision for exceptional circumstances in residential streets. So. You know, many people like to believe their case is exceptional. But when we say exceptional, we mean there's a crash history, proven crash history, where we can pull stats and see that, look, there have been these crashes. Mm -hmm. Or there's been a recent serious incident, a very serious incident, and that there is some evidence of that. So So in cases cases such as that, um, the policy makes provision for, for those areas to be looked at as well. So, Carl, so basically you're saying is we need to wait for something to happen before the city will consider something as serious? Well, that argument is always put to us. You know, people say, you know, are we, one has to also consider on every single road citywide there is the potential for a crash. So potential exists everywhere. But in the same breath, there are sites that have a proven history already. So financially it's not sustainable to try and address every single road where something could possibly happen. So you're saying so those applications, and I mean yesterday or the day before, we've received some messages of people saying, you know, that they've uh, approached the ward councillor for assistance. The ward councillor said that they were going to come back, you know, with um, some information within 10 days and so forth. Are you saying that that is basically null and void, that nothing is going to happen? because, Yeah. No, okay, to, to answer the question, I was giving you a bit of background there. The process would be to apply via sub-council. Yeah. Uh, and that would ultimately involve the ward councillor. And then they would refer that to this department to look at, from a technical mm. perspective, we do a objective Garth, um, what is Before evaluation. you go on, Garth, what is needed in terms of the application from the community? Well, basically, we do not need petitions. We just need a motivation to indicate, look, we've, we stay in this street. This is the problem we're experiencing. This is the time of day it happens. Uh, any evidence that maybe photos possibly, if there has been a recent serious incident, or, you know, just giving in detail of that, submitting that would be useful to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of the, the traffic calming measures, uh, with regards to speed bumps, uh, stop streets, um, traffic circles, perhaps giving us a breakdown of those costs. Well, firstly, a stop street would not be considered to be traffic calming. Those are generally only put in, uh, I'm specifically talking about an always stop, mm-hmm. where there's a balanced flow, 60-40 split, there are warrants for that, and that's not deemed to be a traffic calming measure. Mm-hmm. So although it's a relatively inexpensive measure, it's not the appropriate thing to use for this purpose. Mm-hmm. So speed humps, 
as I alluded to earlier, there are we use term tenders, and they are basically put out per region. So there are four regions in the city: north, south, uh, central, and uh, east. Excuse me. And ultimately, um, the prices can vary. So speed ump can vary from 20 to 35,000 each. A raised pedestrian crossing can vary from 30 to 70,000. Mm-hmm. Raised intersection. Uh, intersection areas vary quite significantly. So that can go from anything from 120,000 up to 200,000. And a mini circle can go from probably 10 odd thousand for just a painted item to up, up to 100,000 odd if it's constructed. So uh, we also have chicanes, also an option, thirty to seventy thousand there. Yeah. Now, now, Garth, obviously, it sounds like there's a lot of admin, there's a lot of meetings, there's a lot of money that we, that that needs to be allocated and considered and so forth, right? But now you're having situations that in some areas where residents are actually, you know, digging up the ground to create mm. their own uh, speed dumps because they obviously feel that the that the children's lives are in danger, they are in danger, the speeding is happening up and down in the roads, um, and and so for this reason, they've basically taken it into their own hands. This is also illegal. Yes, correct. Um, it's city property, and you know we we're not at liberty to go and build on city property without permission, as members of the public. And um, chopping up the road is also illegal. That's not acceptable. So really, uh, unfortunately, so how does the city then to, deal with that, Garth? Even if we Garth, how does the city deal with Garth? How does the city deal with that, where residents dig up the roads, creating their own speed bumps? No, the road would be reinstated. Mm-hmm. Would residents be fined? Well, there is a possibility of legal action if we know who the parties are. But Garth, you know what? If you look at if you look at one of these questions that came through from five double zero one, it says, you know yeah. what? Um, I've applied for a speed. I'm three years ago, no feedback whatsoever. And I know that this um, Avocado Street out in Bonteville is one of those mm-hmm. um, you know infamous streets out in the area. And you know when when the city says, you know, you cannot. For example, and I completely understand, you know, you cannot go and dig up your own, um, you know, ground and wanting to lay a speed ump and all that, you know, I get that. But when the city also fails to communicate and, and, and to advise and to look at other measures with the community, then that in itself is also the problem. I mean, the city slogan is the city works for you. Yes, we should be giving feedback on those um, items, and generally we do. Um, this is never a quick process, though. I just need to stress that ultimately... Our budgets are planned for years in advance when we've been pushed more and more on that point to set out three-year budgets in advance and have our planning in place. So, um, you know, even if we had to have an application today, which we felt was, yes, this one's approved, it's warranted, it will not happen quickly. It will take a year or two. Garth, there's a notion that perhaps, you know, the more affluent areas are prioritized over, you know, your poorer areas. No, that's not true. We split the budget equally for all four regions, and we work on a basis of a program for schools, basically. So we do not take into account um, that somebody has uh, you know, a more affluent area or whatever. Mm. Um, what I also need to mention is, though, in the cases where the transport budget will be focused on the educational program, for other sites... Um, where there is a recent serious incident, other funding sources need to be found, which could either be ward funding, which is also very limited and very much spoken for in advance and goes to various things besides traffic calming. And um, there's also the possibility of private funding. 
But again, it must meet the warrants in terms of it's a recent serious incident or there's a crash history and um, other criteria like the class of road. We would not put traffic calming on a high order road that's meant to carry traffic. Generally, traffic calming will only be reserved for access residential roads where, uh, you know, basically houses on either side of the road yeah. and maybe collective streets which feed those neighbourhoods. And in that uh, case, it would be at intersections only. So there are specific conditions applicable. Okay. Now, I just want to understand one more thing before we need to wrap up, and I've got about a minute or so before I need to do so. Um, if, for example, you know, you do get, for example, private funding, so somebody comes um, in this community and somebody says, you know what, I've got 30,000 rand, let's put up a speed ump out in Avocado Street, out in Bontierville. Uh Now, the city, you know, there's been an application made to the city for a speed ump. The city, the city's been dragging its feet. It's been three years since and no communication whatsoever. Will the city have any influence with regards to that then? Because now there's a private funding involved where the city doesn't have to dish out anything. No, it still needs to comply with a, with a policy, and basically one would not be able to buy speed ump because then it would be a case of what you mentioned earlier. The affluent would have speed ump everywhere, and the poor areas would have nothing. So no matter where it is, it needs to comply with the policy. So and whether you, or not there's money, it's not a factor. So what did you mean when you so what did what, what did you mean when you say when you mentioned the um, the private funding? It basically transport funding would not be used for. Um, residential streets. So other funding sources need to be found for those applications. Our focus is on the schools program, and which will take us a couple of years to get done. Okay. Let's leave it at that. Uh, Garth Elliott, the head of uh, the Transport Network Development at the City of Cape Town. I appreciate your time this morning.